0: Section 10. Of The Natural History, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J.L.F. The Natural History, Volume 5. By Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley section ten book twenty two chapters fifty to fifty six chapter fifty Propolis Five Remedies. Honey would be held in no less esteem than laser were it not for the fact that nearly every country produces it. Laser is the production of nature herself, but for the formation of honey, she has created an insect as already described. the uses to which honey is put are quite innumerable, if we only consider the vast number of compositions in which it forms an ingredient. First of all, there is the propolis, which we find in the hives, as already mentioned. This substance has the property of extracting stings and all foreign bodies from the flesh, dispersing tumors, ripening indurations, allaying pains of the sinews, and cicatrizing ulcers of the most obstinate nature. As to honey itself, it is of so peculiar a nature that it prevents putrefaction from supervening by reasoning of its sweetness solely and not any inherent acridity its natural properties being altogether different from those of salt it is employed with the greatest success for affectations of the throat and tonsils for quinsy and all ailments of the mouth as also in fever when the tongue is parched Decoctions of it are used for perineumony and pleurisy, for wounds inflicted by serpents, and for the poison of fungi. For paralysis, it is prescribed in honeyed wine, though that liquor also has its own peculiar virtues. Honey is used with rose oil as an injection for the ears. It has the effect also of exterminating nits and foul vermin of the head. It is the best plan always to skim it before using it still however honey has a tendency to inflate the stomach it increases the bilious secretions also produces qualmishness and according to some if employed by itself is injurious to the sight though on the other hand there are persons who recommend ulcerations at the corner of the eyes to be touched with honey as to the elementary principles of honey the different varieties of it the countries where it is found and its characteristic features we have enlarged upon them on previous occasions first, when treating of the nature of bees, and secondly, when speaking of that of flowers. The plan of this work compelling us to separate subjects which ought properly to be united, if we would arrive at a thorough knowledge of the operations of nature. CHAPTER 51 THE VARIOUS INFLUENCES OF DIFFERENT AILMENTS UPON THE DISPOSITION While speaking of the uses of honey, we ought also to treat of the properties of hydromel. There are two kinds of hydromel one of which is prepared at the moment, and taken while fresh, the other being kept to ripen. The first, which is made of skimmed honey, is an extremely wholesome beverage for invalids who take nothing but a light diet, such as strained alica, for instance. It reinvigorates the body, is soothing to the mouth and stomach, and by its refreshing properties allays feverish heats. I find it stated too by some authors that to relax the bowels it should be taken cold, and that it is particularly well suited for persons of a chilly temperament or of a weak pusillanimous constitution such as the greeks for instance call micropsyche for there is a theory remarkable for its extreme ingenuity first established by plato according to which the primary atoms of bodies as they happen to be smooth or rough angular or round are more or less adapted to the various temperaments of individuals and hence it is that the same substances are not universally sweet or bitter to all. So, when affected with lassitude or thirst, we are more prone to anger than at other times. These asperities, however, of the disposition, or rather I should say of the mind, are capable of being modified by the sweeter beverages, as they tend to lubricate the passages for the respiration and to mollify the channels, the work of inhalation and exhalation being thereby unimpeded by any rigidities. Every person must be sensible of this experimentally in his own case, There is no one in whom anger, affliction, sadness, and all the emotions of the mind may not, in some degree, be modified by diet. It will therefore be worth our while to observe what ailments they are which exercise a physical effect not only upon the body but the disposition as well. Chapter fifty two Hydromel Eighteen Remedies Hydromel is recommended too as very good for a cough. Taken warm, it promotes vomiting with the addition of oil it counteracts the poison of white lead of henbane also and of the halicacobum as already stated if taken in milk asses milk in particular it is used as an injection for diseases of the ears and in cases of fistula of the generative organs with crumb of bread it is applied as a poultice to the uterus as also to tumors suddenly formed sprains and all affections which require soothing applications the more recent writers have condemned the use of fermented hydromel as being not so harmless as water and less strengthening than wine after it has been kept a considerable time it becomes transformed into a wine which it is universally agreed is extremely prejudicial to the stomach and injurious to the nerves chapter fifty three honeyed wine six remedies as to honeyed wine that is always the best which has been made with old wine Honey, too, incorporates with it very readily, which is never the case with sweet wine. When made with astringent wine, it does not clog the stomach, nor has it that effect when the honey has been boiled. In this last case, too, it causes less flatulency, an inconvenience generally incidental to this beverage. It acts as a stimulant, also upon a failing appetite. Taken cold, it relaxes the bowels, but used warm, it acts astringently, in most cases at least. It has a tendency, also, to make flesh. Many persons have attained an extreme old age by taking bread soaked in honeyed wine and no other diet. The famous instance of Polio Romilius, for example. This man was more than a hundred years old when the late Emperor Augustus, who was then his host, asked him by what means in particular he had retained such remarkable vigour of mind and body. Honeyed wine within, oil without was his answer according to varro the jaundice has the name of royal disease given to it because its cure is effected with honeyed wine chapter fifty four Melitites, three remedies we have already described how Melitites is prepared of must and honey when speaking on the subject of wines it is i think some ages however since this kind of beverage was made so extremely productive as it was found to be a flatulency it used however to be given in fever, to relieve inveterate costiveness of the bowels, as also for gout and affections of the sinews. It was prescribed also for females who were not in the habit of taking wine. Chapter 55. Wax. Eight Remedies. To an account of honey, that of wax is naturally appended, of the origin, qualities, and different kinds of which we have previously made mention on the appropriate occasions. Every kind of wax, is emollient and warming, and tends to the formation of new flesh. Fresh wax is, however, the best. It is given in broth to persons troubled with dysentery, and the combs themselves are sometimes used in a pottage made of parched alica. Wax counteracts the bad effects of milk, and ten pills of wax, the size of a grain of millet, will prevent milk from coagulating in the stomach. For swellings in the groin, it is found beneficial to apply a plaster of white wax to the pubes chapter 56 remarks in disparagement of medicinal compositions as to the different uses to which wax is applied in combination with other substances in medicine we could no more make an enumeration of them than we could of all the other ingredients which form part of our medicinal compositions these preparations as we have already observed are the results of human invention. Serrates, poultices, plasters, eye salves, antidotes, none of these have been formed by nature, that parent and divine framer of the universe. They are merely the inventions of the laboratory, or rather, to say the truth, of human avarice. The works of nature are brought into existence complete and perfect in every respect, Her ingredients being but few in number, selected as they are from a due appreciation of cause and effect. And not from mere guesswork. Thus, for instance, if a dry substance is wanted to assume a liquefied form, a liquid, of course, must be employed as a vehicle, while liquids, on the other hand, must be united with a dry substance to render them consistent. But as for man, when he pretends with balance in hand to unite and combine the various elementary substances, he employs himself not merely upon guesswork, but proves himself guilty of downright impudence it is not my intention to touch upon the medicaments afforded by the drugs of india or arabia and other foreign climates i have no liking for drugs that come from so great a distance they are not produced for us no nor yet for the natives of those countries or else they would not be so ready to sell them to us let people buy them if they please as ingredients in perfumes unguents and other applications of luxury Let them buy them as adjuncts to their superstitions, even if incense and cost us, we must have to propitiate the gods. But as to health, we can enjoy that blessing without their assistance, as we can easily prove. The greater reason then has luxury to blush at its excesses. End of section 10. Recording by J.L.F.